We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Hey, Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me is the one and only, I guess I could call him the one and only. He hates when I do that. But I'm trying to figure out the best way to uh, introduce him now because, Fachi, you got some news for the people um, uh, about your entire situation because you're leaving the Wizards, man. You're going to the Nets. Hey, I can't leave a team I was never with. Uh, <laughs> I am moving from Washington, D.C. to New Jersey, a little bit closer to where I'm from in terms of New York. So going to be with friends and family, but Pacer Nation, fear not. I am going nowhere. You will always hear me on this show. Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to change our Wizards jokes to Nets jokes eventually. But um, with that being said, Fachi, today is going to be a really fun podcast because we have on from Bleacher Report Jake Fisher to talk all things NBA rumors, especially the Pacers. I think fans are going to really like this one. Oh, I think so. It is rumor season. It's in full fledged. I mean, we got the draft coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about what the Pacers could do in free agency, who they could be linked to. A lot of Rumors going around, and the Pacers, you know, very well could be in the thick of things. Yeah, we definitely talked about DeAndre Ayton, OG Ananobi, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heal, Jalen Smith. We talked about the draft pick. We talked about a lot of things, but we closed it out pretty much talking about Donovan Mitchell and what's going on there with the Utah Jazz. So we're not going to talk about it on this podcast, Fachi. It's going to be a YouTube exclusive. 
me and you are going to discuss, does Donovan Mitchell make sense for the Indiana Pacers? So, Fachi, we just launched our YouTube page over the weekend. This would be a great conversation for fans to go check out on our YouTube page. Absolutely. Please subscribe. Give us a go. You can see our faces over there instead of just hearing us. So, hey, if you like what you hear, I think you're also going to enjoy what you see over there on YouTube. Absolutely. We did share some of the snippets from our Lance Stevenson podcast. So if you guys want to go out and check those out, that'd be really cool. You guys can see Lance on camera, stuff like that. Um, we got a quick response. We already got over 100 subscribers over the weekend. So that was really awesome. Kudos to all those that came out and supported the show. But just wanted to say we're going to be uploading some content on there that might not be on the podcast. So make sure you guys check that out. But Fachi, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll bring on Jake Fisher. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, you guys know him very well. Works for Bleacher Report. It's the one only Jake Fisher. Jake, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing, man? Doing well, guys. How are you? I'm doing good. Fachi, how you doing, brother? Doing great. Love talking Pacer basketball. Nothing better. But I love having someone from outside of Pacer Nation come on so we know we're not being too biased. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get right into it here. There's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, the NBA draft is just a couple of weeks away. Rumors are going out like crazy. We don't know what to believe, what's a smokescreen, what's not. But uh, in your latest article, you talked about DeAndre Ayton, the guy that has been reported about pretty much since the Suns got bounced from the playoffs. And I've been a big fan of the idea of the Pacers going after him, but he wasn't um, or the Pacers weren't one of the teams that was mentioned when you uh, put out your article for DeAndre Ayton suitors. Is there any chance that the Pacers have interest in him? And then what do you think his market is out there across the uh, rest of the NBA landscape? Have not heard the Pacers with him. Um, I, I wouldn't expect, I mean, depending on who you talk to, certain people think the Pacers um, you know, have, have no interest in moving Miles Turner. That, that they, they sent out to Domas and he's their big man they're sticking with. Other people are less certain and more skeptical of that. I tend to lean on the side of Miles is, is their center and, and that's who they're planning on having up front at that point. And, you know, the word was pretty strongly starting like by early November or late November, early December last year. Um, if I remember correctly, that just like Carlisle's coaching staff did not like playing the Twin Towers and yeah, kind of was rippling up to the front office. And I think that also started to add some credence to the rumors that Rick Carlisle might be planning to go to the front office, which obviously he did um, dispel that rumor, at least for the time being publicly in the spring. Um, so I don't think that I'm not presently prepared for 
the Pacers to be looking to add a, another center um, with another starting caliber center. Obviously, they've got Jalen Smith and the, the backup center question there, too. Um, there's definitely a lot of talk about the Pacers having to now finally fill that hole at the four-man, which, um, you know, not to say too much now and to keep the teases coming. Um, I think that's going to play a factor in their pick at six. Yeah, it's a great point about needing to fill that position at the four right now. I mean, I guess we can maybe keep it on, uh, you know, free agency as it relates. But TJ Warren is a guy that could potentially fill that position at the four. Have you heard any rumblings as to potential competition for TJ Warren this offseason with the Pacers? It's been quiet in terms of the Pacers free agency stuff outside of the Colin Sexton, Jalen Brunson, you know, secondary guard stuff. I really haven't heard too, too much um so far I mean again it's early it's only June 7th and I feel like the thing a lot of the things that get talked about that I end up reporting that others end up getting reported um there are frameworks that you know got talked about and then our ideas that get thrown around are trade frameworks that don't end up really getting there the ideas with free agency and there's stuff that maybe are starting to come up for starting to establish the market and kind of see what else is out there. We're still far away from this stuff really fully taking shape. Um, but yeah, most of the Pacers free agency stuff has been, you know, those Jalen Brunson rumors I think are done. Like, I, you know, regardless yeah. of Indiana, everyone around the league is talking about him just going back to Dallas. I think the only real threat there at this point is New York, but even still people are, are pretty convinced Jalen's going to stick around in Dallas. Then there's Colin Sexton who apparently has, interest from Detroit and from Indy and from Washington among, you know, others and primarily those three, but also the Cavs seem to have, um, you know, some interest in bringing him back. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. I mean, obviously uh, you just got to keep an eye on what's out there, who's available and what makes the most sense. And looking at the Pacers, obviously they do need to fill that four position, like you said, and that's something they could address in the draft. But if they were to make a trade, I know you threw out a little bit of an OGN and Nobi. Uh, storyline there on your last article and I just want to kind of go back there and look at that and see if the Pacers have anything to offer that could really land them OG and Anobi for a fair price um you know they have not come up so far in terms of a team that's like made contact with Toronto about them they certainly could have um and I think you know with OG it seems like Toronto their biggest goal at this point in time is to acquire, in terms of a big move, is to acquire a starting center. So Miles Turner is someone that they've looked into in the past. Is that, you know, a price that the Raptors will be willing to take for OG? I think maybe that, that's an educated guess I would take. That, that's, type, that's the type of player, though, I think that you'd have to send out the door in order to, you know, really get Toronto's attention right now. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton would get any team's attention, but he's pretty off the table from my understanding for where the Pacers want to build around this guy and the point guard of the future outside of those two players. I really don't see anyone on the Pacers roster that I think would get Toronto's attention right now. Um, but also the, the center piece of it is a very important detail that, that, that can't be missed. So, you know, we also, we talked about a couple of different trade rumors over there, maybe what the Pacers could you know need to fill the four spot. Talking about the number four, the Sacramento Kings at pick four. We've heard rumblings they could be moving that pick, but don't know how serious it is. Do you think that the Kings could seriously move the fourth overall pick or maybe a pick could be moved inside of the top 10? The number four pick is definitely available for trade. I am starting to get a little skeptical that it actually will get dealt, just being that 
know, the Kings have a clear goal of wanting to get better and to, you know, significantly improve in terms of reaching the postseason next year, right? So in order to move that fourth pick, they're only going to be doing so with the idea that, that they're getting back a player right now who can help move that team, move that De'Aaron Fox, the Montesabonis pairing into like a clearly better position to compete in the playoffs. So with, you know, the Pistons aren't trading up one spot, I don't, I don't think. The Indiana Pacers at six, and there's definitely been some speculation that that could be a, you know, a natural trade partner, right? But I mean, the Kings and Pacers are already having done a pretty massive deal in February kind of limits the options there. I don't think like I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is obviously a name that's super out there in terms of, you know, availability on the trade market. I'm not really convinced that would be a piece that would close that gap for the Kings or someone who they even be want, you know, they'd even have interest in anyway. Then you go down to seven, like Portland is trying to trade their pick to get better for the playoffs too. The Pelicans, I think, would be open to doing that, but they also probably are set on taking a player there at eight rather than trying to trade up, um, knowing the types of quality players that are going to be available there. Then you get down to San Antonio at nine. They've got a couple picks to move up, um, but you know they've got later picks. I think the Kings are looking to acquire you know talent like we talked about. So. Is there someone there with San Antonio? This is just be spitballing. Like maybe, maybe Jakob Pertl is what the Kings really think is the big man to pair with Sabonis. I'm not sure about that. I think they've pretty clearly had success with him last season when he was healthy and when they were winning a couple of games when he was playing at the five. Um, maybe though they do, you know, want to find a veteran piece on that San Antonio roster, even if it's not Jakob Pertl. I don't know. Again, we're just kind of talking on the top of my head here. But you know, we go down the list to nine. There's not that many teams that are moving up that are still going to give the Kings a pick trading into it. I just don't see too many teams in the league right now, you know, who've got a piece that would want to move to the four spot. Like, you know, John Collins is a name that's definitely available, but like, is he really someone that the Kings want to use that fourth pick to go and acquire? You know, I'm not so, I'm not so certain. Um, could they swing in somehow and make a deal with like Detroit for Jeremy Grit? You know, I don't think that the Pistons want to move up from five, like I said, but you know, maybe four and something go gets Jeremy Grant. So there's options on the table. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't believe that the Kings and Grant is a real thing. So for aggregators out there, like I'm not saying that's the definitive thing to, to mention and log away here. Um, I just think that they'll probably end up sticking around to four. And the, the most likely trade candidate to me right now is Portland at seven. Yeah, and that's what we feel like is the most, you know, logical thing because they're trying to win now. So it'll be interesting to see what what Portland does. But um, you, you brought up Malcolm Brogdon, a guy that's been known to be out there. I'm curious, what are, what are you hearing on him? What's the latest on Malcolm Brogdon? Are there any teams that have shown interest in going out and uh, trading for him? I haven't heard anyone specifically. Um, you know, I think it would be a good exercise for anyone who wants to know potential landing spots for him. Um, this isn't this isn't to say it's the only list, but to look at teams that were that were linked to him in free agency when he left Milwaukee to join Indiana, that's always a good sign. I mean, the Lakers, uh, Russell Westbrook trade framework that gets thrown out there, I think does have some credence to it. But I, you know, I asked someone yesterday why that deal hasn't been done already. If the Pacers are so interested in moving up Brogdon, like people say they are. And, you know, the thought of Herb Simon wanting to pay Russell Westbrook a buyout seems unrealistic to some people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, and, and the Lakers don't want to give up a first round pick to do that. So I, um, I'm dubious that deal gets done. Outside of that, you know, there really hasn't been any real 
serious concept that's been talked about from my understanding there could have been but it hasn't made its way to me yet yeah i'm very curious to see what the knicks do because if the knicks are to miss out on jalen brunson i wonder if they turn their attention more towards brogdon very possible you know but there's always going to be those smoke screens out there if you're indiana do you put pressure on getting a deal to move brogdon by the draft that way it can involve potentially another pick I see where you're coming from, but, you know, if they start calling up teams and say, like, you're not going to have your chance to get a deal deal for him now, if no one's willing to meet their price, he's got, what, three years left on his deal? Yep. I think every team will call their bluff and say, we can go get him at the deadline if we really want. We can go get him later in the summer after free agency if we really want. So I don't think them kind of holding some type of exploding offer over other teams' heads is going to really benefit them. I think that might actually be a mistake, honestly, because then you really lower your price. Like right now, to go back to Jeremy Grant, like the Pistons were claiming at the deadline that they were only going to move him for two first-round picks or a good rookie-scale player and a first-round pick. That was kind of the price that Aaron Gordon went for, R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris in the 2025 first. You know, it's still not two firsts, right? That's I mean, it, it you know, teams set their price, and still teams are saying right now, I'm they're skeptical that the Pistons are actually going to get what they want for Jeremy. So. Once you set that bar, like in this theoretical, if the Pacers say, like, we want X for Brogdon, and if you want him now, you have to get him now, he's going to be gone before the draft, and he's not moved, no team's going to then say we have, they have any credence to come and meet your offer later down the line. So that's kind of the, the fire that you're fighting with. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think that the Pacers want to be aggressive. It's obvious that they're in the middle of a rebuild. I know they want to win because Carlisle's there, but it just kind of seems like they're in this weird spot of – rebuilding and then trying to be competitive at the same time. So we'll, we'll see exactly what direction they go, probably, you know, what they do in free agency in the draft, because, um, you know, I think if they're aggressive in the draft, that means they're trying to go more rebuild and try to keep building for the future. But with that being said, speaking of the draft, I don't know if you've heard any rumblings on who the Pacers have interest in, but is there a name or two you're hearing out there who the Pacers might like at pick six? Yeah. No, the Pacers have been one of the teams that there's been the most, like this team likes these guys. Um, so again, like you said at the top, could that be smoke? Could that be rumblings? You know, yes, but I do firmly believe that they have legitimate interest in Keegan Murray for sure. Mm-hmm. Aiden Ivy stuff has come up a lot. I'm not fully bought in on that. I'm not saying it's wrong, but you know, does he make the most sense next to Tyrese Halliburton? It's not a bad fit but I do know that Chris Duarte is someone that the, that the organization is very, very high on. He, to me, I could be wrong. You guys know better than me. He projects more of a two than a three, correct? Yeah. Yes. So bringing in Jaden Ivey now, that's another guard in your backcourt. And maybe they want to play all three of those guys in this scenario where Ivy's their guy. They think Tyrese can guard threes. They think Duarte can guard threes and they can, you know, those three can be together and you have a dual combo guard set up in both Tyrese and Ivy. But to me, I think Keegan Murray is the name that I know for sure Indiana has at least designs on hoping is there at six. Um, Ivy, I think, would probably be, you know, I mean, just based off of sheer math of him being such a top prospect, if he's still there at six, yeah. we'd be excited to take him too. <laughs> I think Murray's the one that um, I'm most solid on the intel being that he's someone that the Pacers are hoping is still there. Very interesting. Honestly, when the Pacers slid to six through the draft lottery, that night, I felt like Keegan Murray was going to be the pick. 
Then after a while, Benedict Matherin, someone who really grew on me. But you know, just getting your your sheer gut of, uh, opinion. If there's <laughs> one player to maybe fall in the draft, uh, who do you think that could be? I was saying today to some people, I think it could be Shaden Sharp, because you know, let, let's play out the scenario I talked about earlier, where Sacramento doesn't trade the pick. You know, maybe they take Keegan Murray, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's the case because he's, you know, pretty much a ready-made prospect as any right now. That's going to be available in that range. The Pistons at five. I would think they take Jaden Ivey in that scenario. They've been linked to you know, Colin Sexton, like we talked about. You know, Galen Brunson was definitely a hot name there, too. They've been they've been apparently looking to uh, gear up to add a combo guard next to Cade Cunningham, just like Galen Brunson has been for Luka Doncic. So Jaden Ivey would seem to fit that bill. So let's say that, that that's the board for Indy at six. I don't know if Shaden Sharp's the guy. I, I don't know if the, the paces are the team to take a risk. As much as they are in a rebuild there, mm-hmm. you know, they already have two guards like we talked about in Duarte and Halliburton that they're pretty set on. Now, if you really are going to take a swing at, at six, and the paces are not high up on the lottery very often, as you guys know, they're pretty typically competing for the postseason. This is probably one of, if not their only shots. If, if they're back in this equation next year, I wouldn't be shocked. But then the goal would definitely would be, you know, to try to compete for the postseason, right? Mm-hmm. So you might only have one or two cracks of getting a top five type of pick. Jaden Sharp could have that high ceiling, but he's also far riskier than someone like, you know, a Johnny Davis or a Dyson Daniels. Like those are kind of where I think the Pacers would theoretically go if that's how the board unfolds and, and both Keegan Murray and Jaden Ivey aren't available. Yeah, and I want to go back a little bit because you brought up an interesting point talking about the Pacers, you know, they, they really like Chris Duarte there at the two, and he's probably more of a two than he is a three. But then we keep hearing all the rumblings like, oh, Jalen Brunson, Colin Sexton, uh, you hear Jay Nivey as a name, and then we've heard Dyson Daniels recently, as well as Benedict Matherin to some, and then Johnny Davis as well. So it just continues to go back to they're looking maybe to add another guard, or at least it seems to be the rumor out there. So uh, well, Carlisle does love to play three guards or at okay. least have a third guard, right? So I think that's also where it's coming from. Okay. I, I, I think a lot of those names sound to me like sixth man type names. Like Colin Sexton's got six man written all over him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where my head where I'm thinking, you know, that interest is coming from. You know, bringing in a Jaden Ivy could put Duarte, I guess, into that. Six spot. man. Yeah. He doesn't seem to, he seems more of like, you know, a two guard, you know, to me, than, than someone like Jordan Clarkson is coming off the bench and he's really like running pick up and all doing a lot of stuff. I could be wrong. He could develop that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just kind of reading all the, all the tea leaves and combining data points and stuff. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I was just thinking, cause you know, TJ McConnell seems to be part of the team's future as that backup point guard. He kind of orchestrates that. I yeah. think Duarte could fit in pretty nice with him just because, you know, McConnell's always got his head on a swivel looking for that guy to make the open shot. So McConnell's going to find him. I think they could have some good chemistry there. I just wondered, you know, with O'Shea Brissett stepping up last year, really taking his game to another level towards the end of the season, and then them looking at some other guards, you know, is there a chance in your mind that you could see Chris Duarte coming off the bench, which you kind of already said. But uh, speaking of guards off the bench, Buddy Heald, another name that's been really interesting because he played pretty well in Indiana when he moved over from Sacramento. Do you think he's a guy that's a long-term part of the Pacers team, or will they be looking to shop him as well? I don't think long-term, um, but I think there's a very good chance he's there next year and through the length of this contract. There, there isn't a ton of trade interest in Buddy right now at that number, right? That the mm-hmm. Kings were looking to find a home for him for a while. 
I think the I think the Pacers would definitely listen if teams called on Buddy, and you know the Lakers definitely called the Pacers about Buddy. I know this for a fact after that deal went done with Sacramento, mm. uh, and that Rod Polinka connection is going to live on. Uh, <laughs> but I think you know there was definitely word around the league that Carlisle liked uh, Buddy a lot after he came into the fold, and obviously Rick likes shooting, and Buddy will shoot that thing. So. Um, I, I, do, I do fully expect him to be back next season. Sure, could he get moved? Yeah, but I don't think the Pacers were, like, motivated to get rid of him, no. No, I think the buddy fit was good last year, you know, following the trade deadline. Obviously, second in the league in threes made, and the Pacers need three-point shooting in Carlisle's system, something that they very much lacked. But, man, Jake, if there is one offseason to have amongst the most money, this is not it. This free agent class is just not strong enough are there any players at all, not even ones that have been discussed, that you could see that makes sense for the Pacers? Because, look, I'm immediately going to pull us out of the running for a Zach Levine or anything like that. But just maybe even role players that you could see as, hey, that'd be a good fit. Pacers have the money to do it. It could make sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I have not heard this at all. But to your point of what would make sense. Um, you know, Miles Bridges, if, if, the, if the Pacers viewed him as a four, right, like that could be a pretty interesting fit. Someone who also likes to stretch the floor um, and could really kind of play in like a five out type system that Carlisle really has used um, throughout a lot of his a lot of his career. That'd be an interesting name. I mean, John Collins is not a, a defensive piece, right? But, you know, to find a four-man next to Miles Turner, he's not a free agent, but, you know, he's definitely a name that comes up a lot, like I said earlier. He can he can shoot it. Does that create some space for everybody involved? He's also a nice uh, role guy at times. He definitely looks like, you know, modern-day Amari on occasion with Trey Young in the pie pick and roll in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so could that be a piece where – you know, Turner does like to float around the perimeter. Maybe you get a, a rolling foreman who can be that that perimeter or that interior threat in the pick and roll with uh, Tyrese at the top while Miles does some stuff on the wings and in the corners. You know, that, that'd be interesting to me. Those are probably the first two things that come to mind. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I'd be interested to see what the Pacers do there with that forward position because they definitely have to address it. But I, I do want to transition a little bit now into some of the most recent breaking news, and that was Quinn Snyder stepping down as the Utah Jazz head coach. Rumblings now that, you know, Donovan Mitchell's un, uneasy or whatever the ex- exact words that uh, Woj un- used. Unnerved, I think un- it was. Unnerved. Unsettled. That it? <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was very interesting. So, you know, with Utah kind of going through this coaching search, and obviously there's been some rumblings between the pairing of Gobert and Mitchell Jake, do you think there's any chance that one of these two players gets moved? And what do you think makes the most sense in terms of potentially one of them being moved? Yeah, I, I think Rudy Gobert is pretty clearly the most likely trade candidate. They've definitely spoken with him about, you know, with many teams while the Jazz are not entertaining calls from other teams right now. So that, that's all you really need to know. Will he get dealt? That, that remains to be seen. You know, he's got a very big contract number and that's going to, you know, very much complicate any deal to get done. I've started to hear some types of uh, packages and frameworks that are being discussed. And I wrote about, you know, the OG thing two Mm -hmm. weeks ago, like you mentioned, I wrote today um, that there's a concept that's being talked about at least um, around the league about Patrick Williams and Nikola Vucevic for Rudy Gobert. Um, I heard that from two separate people, like without telling them that. So whenever that happens, my alarm always goes off that that's got some truth to it. 
Um, so, and then it got echoed by other people, but you know, you got to catch my drift. Um, <laughs> so I definitely think that um, Gobert talks are being, this is all early, like nothing's really serious at this moment. Um, but he would be the name that is definitely the most likely guy to get moved. If he does get moved, I'm still I'm still skeptical of it because also you know, the Jazz have the All-Star game in Salt Lake City next year. And I've been told that they do. I mean, they definitely want to have Donovan there, but having multiple All-Stars would be a win for the for Utah in that scenario, too. Man, that that Gobert contract just terrifies me. It's going to be hard to move. Obviously, a good player, but at that salary, it, it has some complications. But Donovan Mitchell, a guy that I think it would be a big mistake for Utah to move. In your opinion, I mean, what would it even take to really even have Utah pondering a trade package for Donovan Mitchell? The only reason Utah would ever consider moving him is if Donovan said, I want out. That's the only thing. And, you know, will that happen? And that whole unnerved, unsettled thing you mentioned, like clearly that was some posturing from his people to try to have either influence on the coaching staff or at least put, you know, a detail out there where they can say, like, look, this was the start of it. Donovan, very well known around the league, had a very good relationship with Quinn. So he's out. What does that mean for Donovan's future is a very fair question to start asking. I'm not saying it's going to be answered anytime soon, but it's definitely something that people are asking. Um, and I think the only answer will, will come when he does finally say, I want out. Because that's the only way that Utah, I think, would really consider moving him. Unless they got set with an offer that's going to, you know, knock them over. But I just don't see that offer coming. You know, the Tyler Hero package, like I've talked about before, in theory, from Miami, you got to really believe in Tyler Hero to do that deal. Now, R.J. Barrett from New York, you got to really believe in R.J. Barrett to do that deal. So there's other, I'm sure other teams would line up and try to get him, right? Like no one painted OKC as the logical destination for Paul George from Indiana, right? Never but, saw that coming. But deals happen, right? So, you know, I'm sure other teams will put people on the table, but that's something that you know I don't think will ever really be be entertained from Utah's side of things unless he says he wants to go to a different spot. Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. I mean, obviously, he's the face of their franchise, and clearly I think their most important player, even though Gobert is pretty important to what they did as well and their success. But uh, my last question for you here, I'm going to go back to the Pacers because this is our Pacers podcast. So Jalen Smith, obviously a name that – is pretty interesting, played pretty well for the Pacers once he came over in that Phoenix trade, but because of their restrictions and what they can offer him in free agency, uh, they're limited. So are there any other teams that have, you know, kind of come out and said that they'd be interested in him or is it just kind of, you know, what he could be offered by Indiana is a pretty fair price? Yeah, I talked to someone in the agent world, let's say yesterday, or well, two people about it, um, and they both did not think Jalen Smith would come back to Indiana purely on, on the sentiment that it, the paces are capped on what they can pay him. Right. And that another team just has to go a hundred grand more to get that guy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, teams I would, I would think of to keep an eye on just off the top of my head from reporting I've done in the past, like Denver was definitely talking to Indiana about acquiring him at the deadline. It didn't happen, but they had a conversation there right up until the final 11th hour. I tweeted that out and people made fun of me because it didn't happen, but it was definitely happening. Um, or the conversations were definitely happening. Um, and Boston's definitely a team that's uh, gauged interest in him in the past. And, you know, Daniel Tice 
is there as their backup center um, behind Robert Williams. But Al Horford's got one year left in his deal, I'm pretty sure, after this. If they could sign Jalen Smith, who's a three-point shooting big man, right? Pretty yeah. Not Al Horford, but he kind of brings a similar package in some respects um, to the front court that's worked in Boston. Um, you know, could he be someone that like a three-year, $18 million deal gets it done? That's a, I, I, what the, I think the Pacers can give him like 5.25 or something like that off the top of my head. Well, um, it's like 4.7 to start, and it could like slightly increase, but it's not much. Numbers around fives, right? So if you get him to 6 million average annual over three years, is that enough? And even if, you know, a team could probably – depending on what the market is, because someone I talked to yesterday also said he should be getting the full mid-level around 10. Um, you know, we'll see if that gets done. Um, but, you know, I, I do think, depending on how the board shakes out, you, know, you probably won't have to give too, too much um, uh, beyond that $6 million number, I think, to at least get him away from Indiana. That's, that's all you really got to do. Man, that really hurts, Jake, because, look, that, that full mid-level talk, it scares me to death because I feel like as a Pacer fan, look, we know we don't attract maybe the best of the best free agents, but we got a guy that we believed in, let play, and, of course, there happens to be a stipulation where we just can't offer him more than, you know, a, a, an amount that a lot of teams can pay more than. So I really hope Jalen Smith comes back, but you made a great point that this could be the end of his time in Indiana. It could be, yeah. All right, Pat, you have any more questions? No, no, Jake, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show and let everybody know where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome stuff you have going on. Appreciate you guys. I'm, I'm at Jake L. Fisher on Twitter, right once a week with Bleach Report, probably a lot more often coming up here in the last couple of weeks of the transaction cycle. My book is still out there, Built to Lose, How the yeah. NBA Banking Era Changed the League Forever. Um, put a lot into that. There's definitely some paper stuff from like, how the 2013 uh, conference finals and then going up against the Heat and Evan Turner trade and all that stuff that kind of uh, overlaps with the tanking era, the process sixers and all that stuff. So, uh, that, I mean, it's the stuff in there for every NBA fan, but particularly Pacers fans, I think they'll get a kick out of some of the details in there. Love it. Hey, Jake, we appreciate you. Hope to have you back on, uh, you know, pretty soon. Thank you, guys. See ya. Thanks, Jake. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Fachi, pretty, pretty interesting stuff there from Jake Fisher. What was your biggest takeaway? Man, I, I would just say, you know, in terms of what Utah could do is going to be very interesting, but also Jalen Smith. Look, Jalen Smith, man, I really want it to work out. And based on, uh, you know, what Jake has heard, it doesn't sound that promising for Indiana. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, but I don't feel good about this one. 
No, it, it really stinks. And I think that's interesting to talk about how the Pacers almost traded into Denver before the trade deadline. How big of an impact would that have had on the Pacers? Jalen Smith, you know, if he plays really well in the playoffs, well, then the Pacers would have had that money to go out and offer it to him. So, you know, it's interesting there, like how that deal didn't get done. And obviously Buddy healed connections to the Lakers. I think that's something to keep an eye on. He, he did really talk about the Russell Westbrook stuff, which I thought was interesting, but you know, like I think both of you, both me and you thought, you know, the Pacers, the thought of paying Russell Westbrook all that money to be a buyout is not something Herb Simon's really going to sign up for. So it'll be interesting to see though, but I think I was most surprised that he really hadn't heard too much on Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know if that caught you by surprise, but I thought this is a guy that's pretty much out there for trade rumors. It just feels like he hadn't really heard anything specific in terms of teams that have interest. Yeah, maybe you and I are a little bit too close to the situation because the Bra- the Brogdon rumors seem to be screaming. They seem to be loud. But you know yeah. what? We're going to have to – I think they're going to heat up a bit as the draft gets closer and closer. You know, right now this is like that little bit of the awkward time in the NBA where, you know, there's, there's we're still talking about the NBA finals. You know, mm-hmm. I think once the finals wraps up, the draft is right around the corner. All of a sudden, I think we're going to be hearing a lot of rumors of players that could be on the move come draft night. Yeah, and we'll hear more activity of what teams are interested in trading trading for certain picks and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just going to get more and more uh, busy, but we will have on Michael Scotto, if it's not next week, the week after that, to try and just get, maybe as we get closer to the draft here, if there's anything else coming out. So Michael Scotto will be joining us here in the future. But with that being said, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. All right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And Alex, tell them where they can check out our latest YouTube channel. Yeah, check us out on YouTube at SettingThePace, a Pacers podcast. We have a custom URL now. Thanks to you guys getting us over 100 subscribers. So, It is Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. I know that's a mouthful, but for right now, that's what we're sticking with until maybe we change it to just Setting the Pace. But our YouTube page is, once again, Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. So anyway, Fachi, if you're excited for the NBA draft to just be here in a couple of weeks, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Pacers!